Welcome to Pillow Voices, a production of Jacob's Pillow Dance Festival, with content from the Pillow Archives. I'm Norton Owen, the Pillow's Director of Preservation, and it's my pleasure to bring you excerpts of a 2022 Pillow Talk entitled Celebrating Lourdes Lopez. We join Pillow scholar Teresa Ruth Howard in conversation with Ms. Lopez on the occasion of her 10th anniversary as Artistic Director of Miami City Ballet. Let's jump to your entering the field of artistic directorship. Now, I did a, a, a talk, I mentioned it, uh, Bally is Woman, with like, I think there were five female artistic directors and not a one of them ever thought about being an artistic director themselves. Think about that. It was, uh, it was Lourdes, Tamara Rojo, Virginia Johnson, Susan Jaffe, Wendy Whalen. Not, none of them ever thought of it. And it was somebody else that had to sort of like prompt and say, you know, you can do that. And so can you talk about how you enter that space? Um, well, it was the Miami City Ballet Board of Directors that decided I could do it. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I never, I, I didn't have a role model in front of me. I didn't. I only had men. Um, all of my, most of my teachers, my beloved teachers were female. Um, no one ever said to me, you know, do you, would you, do you think that you could, would, would you have an interest? That was never, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was spoken about. I, it just wasn't. There was um, the world that I grew up in. If you were female and you stopped dancing, you either got married and moved on, or you started your own little ballet school and you started teaching, or you taught at a university. But um, you know, really running a, a ballet company as an artistic director was just nothing. It was something that never entered my mind. I think. Um, you know, when I think back on my life, it seems that everything that I've done from stepping off the stage at the age of 39 has somehow taught me aspects of what an, of what an artistic director needs. And the greatest lesson was really starting Morphosis with Christopher Wielden, um, though that didn't quite work out. Um, I was, I understood right the the what I call the back office of a ballet company and the front office of a of a ballet company, you know. And then you just I don't know. But Lourdes, here's the thing: when I when I was researching and looking and drawing the the, the line through, you're like overqualified. You were overqualified to be an artistic director, quite frankly. Having held no 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 the career that you had, the ballets that you danced, right? The, the the people that you worked with, not only starting a company, being an executive director, you probably had more skills and knowledge about business and how organizations run than the average white man who gets that role, straight up and real. That's just true. That's true. And it's important to not minimize that because walking in, in there with your career and the added knowledge um, that's not, well, here, I mean, I joke about it now, but you're, you're absolutely right. Um, the, when I got the job at Miami City Ballet in two, September of 2012, of all the interviews that I did, 
And I did a lot of interviews because it was the, you know, it was in the press and the way that the whole process took place, the transition took place was a bit of a nightmare. Um, not one person asked me, what does it feel like to be a female artistic director? Zero. The question was, what is it? Oh, you're taking after Edward. How do you, how do you think that's going to feel? I mean, how, what are you going to do? He did this, he did that. And I think back now, 10 years later, where everyone's asking me, Lourdes, what does it feel like to be a, you know, a female artistic director? I'm going, I've been doing this for 10 years. Where have you been? Um, so yeah, so now it's at the, at the forefront of all of our minds, which is absolutely right. Like so many things are at the forefront of our minds. Um, but I, it, it was such a courageous step for the Miami City Ballet Board in 2012 to hire Latina who had no experience. Yes, I had the pedigree. I had the pedigree, and yes, I had the but, intelligence. But Lord, is that's really but, generally the criteria. That up till now, that has been the criteria for artistic directors. Period. Being a having a having a name, being a star. Generally, the company that you came through, it's all pedigree. It has nothing to do with experience or even vision. Really, it's about how you can raise money. And cure, like maybe then, curate. Then it's the perception that only men can raise money. And there you go. There you, and and should be in power. <laughs> and, and because and to ballet, be power, yeah. correct. There we go. Now we solved that. Were they wrong? <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that was really interesting to me that you said was that you were surprised at how much power the artistic director had. Right. This is a decade ago. Right. So I'm interested. Like you, you were like, you know, you say you want red. They give you red. I said that to you. Yes. That's the example I always use. Yeah. You yes. said that. And you were like, it's, it was like, you know, look a little crazy. And that you when you came in were questioning yourself and you wanted to act like how has your leadership evolved over a decade? You're coming in and you're you're sort of uncertain. You're This is a new idea of being in a position of I am the decider. Right to a decade later, where clearly you've established yourself, how has your leadership evolved over this decade? I'm not so sure that it's evolved all that much. So my, um, when I very first walked into Miami City Ballet, it was a very, very, I can talk about it now, very tense environment. Nobody knew me. Um, I had had really no relationship to that company. It's not a company that I took class with or I grew up around. Um, like I said, the transition was very, was very difficult. It was played out in the press. Um, and I walked into a building, a building I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know where the bathrooms were. And I was heading not only the company, but the school. So I, you know, every once in a while I make very smart decisions. And, um, and I decided that I was going to walk into Miami City Ballet and I was going to ask people, First of all, to help. Second of all, to explain what the company was about. How does it work? Um, you know, who's who? What are, what are, what are, what is, what is the rep? I mean, I just started asking questions. I remember having a meeting with the dancers and I said, I'm here to make this happen, but I need your help because I can't do it by my own, on my own because I don't know this. Um, and it was really, I think it was the smartest thing that I did walking in saying, I need your help. And, um, and in a, in a funny way though, now I'm much more confident about the decisions that I make. 
I'm still doing that. I mean, I just had an hour, you saw me, I had an hour and a half meeting with Roma saying, I, I need you to look at this casting and I, I need someone to talk about it because I'm not, I'm not God. I'm not omnipotent. I, you know, it's, it's important to hear other people's views, other, other ideas. Um, you know, for when people say something, it makes me think differently. So I, you know, and I enjoy, I enjoy that camaraderie that I have, um, with those around me to, to question and even question me. What was funny about when I walked in is that I would say, you know, I would say, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it should be a red costume. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, she wants a red costume. She wants a red costume. <laughs> and I was so not used to that in my life, you know, that, that, so you have to be very careful when you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a very, and that's that idea of asking questions, a, a level of humility in, in saying that even though I'm at the top of the, the hierarchy, I'm not infallible. Like I don't know everything. And that, that the idea that it's a we and a us, not a I, even if people are treating you like it's the I, um, is really interesting to, to, to think about, especially now as we're going through this shift. Um, and speaking of that shift, um, wait, hold on, let me go back. So Miami City Ballet, when you inherited it, was, was it a stable organization or not? It's just a question. I have, I'm going somewhere with this. Toby, you want to answer this question? <laughs> oh my God, Toby, what, are, are you Toby? Yes, that's oh Toby, God, our nice, founder. Nice to meet you. I've been talking about you all week, only in the best of ways. <laughs> well, do you want to, would you like to say? And now Teresa brings the microphone to a member of the audience, Miami City Ballet's co-founder, Toby Lerner Anson, so that she can answer directly. It's extremely difficult. Um, people didn't understand why it was happening. I would have to say to them, if the people that founded this company, that put not only a lot of money into it, but hours and hours of their time, feel it's something to be done, it has to be done, take a big breath and let's see what happens, but let's give it a chance because we love this company, we want it to survive, and I trust that we have picked, and we did, the perfect person with the vision and growing experience to lead the company, and this is the proof of the pudding that we're here for this glorious week. So this, I, I, I asked that question because, you know, have you heard about the glass ceiling? Okay, all the women are like, yes. <laughs> so it's the idea that oftentimes women don't get opportunities of leadership until organizations are on that glass cliff. And so, right, so that if it fails, then it's, it's clearly the woman's fault. Forget how we got to the cliff. Um, and, and I think we're seeing that in a number of play out in a number of different spaces, not just with women, but specifically with people of color now, because there's a rush to put people of color into these positions. And oftentimes they're in, in organizations that are teetering. Um, so we have to watch that, be mindful. Um, and so Toby, to your point, 10 years later, right? The strength of the company, the beauty, and they look incredible. Thank you. They look incredible. And so kudos to you. Thank you. Um, going back to my, my thread of the idea that these dancers, I call them the species, this generation 
is so vastly different from generations before. Um, and rightfully so, you know, we've got the, we've got the interwebs, we've got the Instagram where, where, you know, before you'd have to, to ask, you know, the press person if to speak to a dancer and now they have their own agents and, you know, sliding into the DMs, they want more information. They want more agency. They want to be more involved. Well, so they say sometimes, you know, but how are you dealing with that? In terms of, because that is a, a definite shift from who you were as a dancer. And now, you know, even a decade has changed so much. So how are you dealing with this new sort of like breed of, of dancer? You know, um, the, the, the word agency is really interesting. So I've always felt that as a dancer um, dancing for Mr. Balanchine, he gave me tremendous agency. So here are the steps. This is where you have to be. But I just really want to see what Lourdes is going to do with it. And, and so I think there's that empowers a dancer tremendously. But I just wanted to put that out there. Um, right now, I am totally for the social media. Um, I'm uh, very pro understanding that they have their own ways of looking at their careers. Um, that they have, um, they want to go to school, which is fantastic, or they want to get married, whatever it is, I'm totally um, uh, on board with that. Once they enter the studio, and once they enter the theater, I hate to say it, it's my world. And it is, it's not a dictatorship, right? But is there is a, an, a responsibility that I have, um, or that I feel, uh, to the dance that is being danced on the stage, to the dancer that is dancing that dance. And it's not, it's not like I you make these decisions unilaterally on my own, but let me just give you an example. I started noticing um, last season that our dancers, the female dancers, were making a lot of noise on stage with their point shoes. And I waited and waited and I kept debating, how do I do this in a way for them? Because I think you have to be generous. I think you have to be thoughtful and I think you have to be respectful. Those days of, of pushing someone over, being nasty are done. And it's, not, and it's not something that I ever, even when I had teachers that did that with me, I never appreciated it. I felt that there was no reason for it. But I was debating, should I bring it up? Should I not bring it up? And finally, I called them. I called the girls before performance of Diamonds in, in Naples, in Miami. And I said, you know, I just have to tell you this. I am responsible for Diamonds. That, that responsibility has been given to me. And you're ruining it because I hear every single step. And I said it very nicely, very nicely. I said, so I'm here to help you. Talk to me, Lourdes, what did you do with your shoes? Whatever you need from me, you know, more shoes, but whatever it is, talk to me. All I need to do is not hear you on the stage. And the girls, to their benefit, the ladies, to their benefit, took it to heart. Because I had presented it in a way of saying, I am, I am making you look better. I need to make this, this ballet look better. And I need your help in doing that. <laughs> So I think, Teresa, there's a, there's a way of having these conversations. They're not easy conversations. 
Um, you know, especially when you have a dancer who is in a, in a funky place in their career and which happens and emotionally not there or whatever it is, um, I think communication is critical. It's critical and it's something we, you know, I, I look back and I, and I always think I wish I had spoken to Mr. Balanchine more. I wish I had been braver so many times that I would have just, because he was, he was there for us. Right. Um, but I was just nervous because he was, you know, balancing. But I think communication is critical. I think when you explain to artists why you're doing what you're doing, that it is for the art form and it is for you. Um, that's where I kind of draw the line. And that's why I say it's it, you've, you've entered now my world. And so like what you're the idea of transparency. And I think that this is where the concept of agency for this generation comes in is the idea that there is an expectation that I should know. And it does come from the idea that we know way too much about everything, right? Like people are oversharing to a degree, but then there's the idea that a lot of the things, the not so good things happen in the dark, and it happened because we didn't know. And it happened because people wouldn't say. And so there is this intro, we're in this brackish water where we're trying to find the balance between how do you lead a company and, and take that responsibility? Because it, it, it falls on your shoulders, right? But also create, I suppose, a collaborative um, space. And when I say collaborative, I mean like the holding of the organization. Like Arthur Mitchell used to say, you represent something larger than yourself and, and buy in so that everybody is taking care of the company, um, for themselves. And it's a hard space. I mean, I do not envy, um, you or the other leaders because it is, it's really a, it's almost like a fingerprint. There's no blanket way to do it across organizations because it's all about the people in the organization. So, yeah. It is about the people, but I also think it's about the vision, right? And so why are we here? Um, it's, it's a vision that people um, buy into. It's, and I say, and it's a mission and uh, a reason for being. And then you have to have the individuals around you that are, you know, it's like the dancers, they all look different, but they're all kind of on that same road moving forward. Um, and the, it's the same thing with staff. Um, you know, it's, it, I think it takes tremendous amount of trust and saying, this is what we want to be. All right. Is everybody on board? Yes, we are. Okay. So everyone has to do their job. Um, and you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but that's just, that's just life. You just, you keep on going because you so believe in the end. If there is an end result, you so believe in it. So let's talk about vision 2022. I'm going to give you 10 more years. I don't know if you want 10 more years. <laughs> Let me give, let's just hypothetically, what is your vision for the company moving forward? What, what is it that you either haven't accomplished or what would you like to begin to investigate um, for Miami City Ballet moving into the future? I, um, I use the word vision loosely because I don't, you know, and people say, oh, well, you know, my 
I take inspiration from or my vision. It's like, I go, oh, please give me a break. You know, you're, we're, we're doing that ballet because people come in, okay? So um, <laughs> let's just, you know, let's just the business. It's a business side of it. I think that what, there's, there's so much that I'm proud of at Miami City Ballet. And I think that the one thing that I have not accomplished that I am now um, focusing on is really a, um, a closer, we've started, we've started connecting with our community really a lot more and I, it feels wonderful. And I think in a, in a very generous and a very honest, um, and I think um, in a very real way, where I'd love it to go is I, I, I'd love for the company to focus on Latin and South America. Because I feel that it's a region, um, you know, obviously because I'm close to it, but I think it's a region that is, is struggling right now economically and politically. I think it's a region that um, many are not necessarily focused on. I think it's a region that we can connect and really, you know, Virginia actually, during this whole COVID and we were, were getting together and I, and I said, I remember I called Virginia up and I said, I need to talk to you because I, I need to understand how, how, how can I, how do, everybody talks about commun community and everybody talks about connecting to, how do I do this? And Virginia said to me, and I'll never forget, um, focus on the people around you. She said, you can't change the world. Just focus first on the people around you. And I think that's what we did, especially during the COVID years. Miami City Ballet really, um, we kind of leaned in and said, you know, we're here to help you. And it, and it felt great. And it all, all of a sudden, it opened up a world for us. I'd like to do something similar with Latin and South America. And I think we could, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just think that um, given, given where we are geographically, you know, the gateway to the Americas, um, given how removed I know those dancers in Latin and South America feel and those directors, they have such little access to what is going on in American dance. They want it. They, they want to understand what your, their neighbors are doing. And so that's one area that I keep in the back of my head going, how do I, you know, how do I do this? How do we, how do I get that, how do I get the company that foot in the door? I have a question because the word community is really interesting because how we define community is really specific. And so having just been down in Miami um, and learning that there are multiple communities down there. So are you saying that like Miami City Ballet is the community for, for Miami City Ballet is more the Latine or, and does that include the, the Afro Latine? Because there's that, that's a whole like the morass of, what that means to 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 say the Latin America. Does that make sense? Yes, I, I, I know what you're saying. So when I say community for Miami City Valley within South Florida, I'm talking about the people around us. So I'm not distinguishing or marginalizing whether they're Latina, Latinos, Afro-Cuban, Afro-Mexicans. It is who are the people that live here in South Florida that uh, that Miami City Ballet, through what it puts on the stage, through its community um, engagement programs, through its school, through the services, the artistic services that we provide, how do we change those lives? I mean, that's how, when I think of community, that's the word, I mean, that's what, that's where I go. I'm not going to a specific area or neighborhood, though we do, we do that, but mine is broader. And that's how I feel about Latin and South America that, hey, you know, it's 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 a bigger problem. Yeah, I mean it's it 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 when I think about it, it's the idea of what is 
what are we really talking about? Because the idea of Miami, there's little Haiti, there's little Bahamia. Um, and how does that, but I, wait, let me go back. But I understand what you're saying. I understand because I come out of dance theater of Harlem. And so the question is, I'm looking for a bit of brownness always. And so wherever it comes from, <laughs> that is that is one of the things that I think everybody is, not everybody, that's not true. But I think that that is the question, right? When we're talking about ballet in, in 2022 and moving forward and is is that vision does that vision encompass no that <laughs> no so it's really interesting and i and i understand that you're looking at brownness I, I totally get it um i'm looking at it from the belief that what this art form can do because of what it did for me so i don't care what race you are and i don't care what color you are and i don't care where you came from i'm only telling you that this what we do what you saw on stage, if it's done at a really high level, and if it's done well, and if you put works on stage that reach people, good is good, right? You can't, it, 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 you're going to impact a life regardless of, um, you know, b ballet, I can't even say dance, ballet change, has changed, I mean, Every day in my life changes because of this art form. And so I think that that's how I want, that's what I want when I think of community. How do I bring the ballet to them? Thank you for that. That's it for this episode of Pillow Voices. Thank you for joining us today. You can find the entire Pillow Talk with Lourdes Lopez at watch.jacobspillow.org and learn more about Lopez's upbringing by Cuban parents and her stellar performance career. On behalf of Jacob's Pillow, we look forward to sharing more dance with you through the films, essays, and podcasts at danceinteractive.jacobspillow.org and, of course, through live experiences during our festival and throughout the year. Special thanks to the National Endowment for the Arts for helping launch this podcast series. Please subscribe to Pillow Voices wherever you get your podcasts and visit us soon, either online or on site. <laughs>